Last week, as we looked at uh, the first chapter, we saw that uh, Paul sort of outlined the whole book for us as uh, he started talking about the, uh, the premise that he would, uh, you know, we're going to build on that this week. But basically, it's this. In the uh, early church, they had legalism and they had liberality. And they had those two ideas or, or doctrines that floated through the early church. Now, in their time, this is 2,000 years ago, you have to remember the only thing God-oriented in the world was Judaism. That was it. it, it anywhere else, you, you knew the pagan gods, the pagan ways. But only in the land of Israel did they worship Yahweh, did they worship the God of the Old Testament. So then when Jesus came along, remember, what was Jesus? Jesus was a Jew. So the rest of the world, they saw Christianity as a sect of Judaism. Now, that's wrong, but that's how they saw it. They said, well, Jesus is this Jew, and the Old Testament said there's a Savior coming. That's what Isaiah wrote, that's what Jeremiah wrote, and so on and so forth. So they were looking for their Messiah, but he's not our Messiah, the Gentiles would say. Well, the apostles came along and they had a big job. You see, Jesus had told them when he was here in the Gospels, take the gospel to the world. In other words, he said, "Mm, the Old Testament's right. Israel was supposed to be the chosen people, but they weren't the exclusive people. They were supposed to be the light of the world. Israel was supposed to, and if you read through your Old Testament, you see it's a real sad story. Because they, they come into existence from Abraham, and then they, they really, like if you read through the, uh, uh, from Samuel, really Judges, the end of Judges, it says they did what was right in their own eyes, talking about the land of Israel. And then you get into the book of Samuel, where you see King David come along. Uh, he was a good one. And then by the time you get into Chronicles, you have this, this thing where you have a good king and a bad king, a good king and a bad king and so on and so forth. And they're struggling to follow God. They're struggling. And the rest of the world's looking at that going, well, what a bunch of hypocrites. Kind of the way they look at the churches today. You know, they say, well, what a bunch of hypocrites these Israelites are. They got hauled into bondage. We have the book of Daniel written where uh, the, the Israel was so judged by God that the Babylonians came in and hauled them all off. And God said, but I'll bring you back again. He always brought them back again. And the last time is after uh, the Jews killed Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus even said uh, in Matthew 24, Mark 8, he said prophetically, you're all fixing to be judged. And when you see this judgment, run to the hills. Well, AD 70 rolls around. Titus Vespasian, he comes into town. He's Roman and he judged. And you know, when Jesus said there won't be one stone left upon another, I've been there in Israel. We saw it. There's a street below where all the stones of the temple were uh, uh, pried apart. What happened is Titus said, look, soldiers, don't burn the temple down. It's gold all inside on these huge stones, you know, that it was built with. And when the, the fire got going so hot inside, it melted all the gold. It ran between the cracks. So soldiers, they weren't paid a lot. Roman soldiers were paid in salt, by the way. They were, they, they actually measured salt out. See, pretty pitiful wages, wouldn't it? Like pepper would be nice for a change. But anyway, um, so they're paid in salt. So when they have got gold in the cracks, 
they're going to use pry bars or whatever they can, and they literally pry the temple apart to get all that melted gold. So Jesus' words were true, but the big picture, Israel was judged yet again. The dispersia is what it was called. And 2,000 years ago, in AD 70, they were dispersed, never to be brought together again, or so they said. But if you look at the Old Testament and you look at Revelation, you say, but God said they're going to be brought together once again. So in May 1948, they're brought back together again, and we have a nation. That's pretty, you know, we're used to that now. Because since 48, that's, you know, my whole lifetime, they've been there. Um, Have you ever known of a nation that's been gone for 2,000 years to come back into existence? I I don't know of a single other people group, only the Jews. And that's because they're God's people. Not, again, to be the exclusive people of God, but to be the light of the world. Well, in their stead, we have this weird time called the church age, and that's where we fit into the world. And now the gospel has been given to the whole world. But everybody's still stuck on the Jews and the legalism of the Mosaic law. So for our time period, now we've got these these weird situations where, well, do we keep the law in the Old Testament? Or can we walk in freedom? Galatians is the answer. And that's why, for me, this book changed my world. Because I walked away from Christianity and I was just involved with Jesus and the Word. And what I mean by that is, Christianity, it's religious ideas that others put on you or me. So we've got to judge for ourselves on these things. So Galatians, great. So verse 1, chapter 2, we're in the middle of him backing up and said, look, this is why this matters to me, everything I just told you. It's because of his own history. He says in the end of chapter 1 that he was uh, in Judaism. Uh, he got saved. And then verse 1 Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me. Uh, Now, again, Paul's been writing about his own history. I came to the Lord. Uh, Galatians 1.18, he he got saved on the road to Damascus. Uh, Then he went out to Arabia for three years, spent 15 days with Peter, it says in chapter 1. And so then he uh, goes back to Tarsus, in southern uh, Turkey. He's there for 11 years. It's a long, long time after getting saved, going, God, I'm an apostle. I'm not a B-postle. I'm an apostle, and you're not using me. But God does that with us, doesn't he? He just parks us in life for a while. And so after he came to the Lord, he was parked. He was a tent maker, by the way, by trade. And, uh, but then this story that's recorded for you, if you're a student of the Word, in Acts chapter 11. Uh, We won't uh, read through it today, but you can read that on your own. But in summary, what happened is Paul went up to Antioch and uh, suddenly, or or he was in Tarsus, but people started getting saved, kind of like a revival started happening in Antioch. Hearing of this, the church in Jerusalem, well, they send Barnabas up there and they say, check it out. There's something happening up there. So he gets up there and he says, wow, There's a lot of people coming to the Lord and getting saved. We need help, okay? So what's the closest help to him at this point? Tarsus, Paul, says, I know this dude that's living over there. Pretty cool fellow, and we need to get him in the ministry. So he goes over there and uh, talks Paul into coming over. Well, 
there's this huge ministry is uh, is there and it, and it works now. After all of that happens, so Paul's back back kind of in the grind again in the ministry. Well, then this story happens after 14 years he goes to Jerusalem with Barnabas. So Barnabas stayed up there that whole time. Um, interesting, it's an interesting story. He takes Titus with him. Now Titus, his word, that word in the Greek means nurse. Kind of a pansy name for a guy, but anyway. Um, his name is nurse. Uh, he is a Gentile Christian convert, not a Jewish Christian convert. This is important for our story. Um, so he takes him back with him to Jerusalem. Now, as we read through this, what you're going to get, get is, is, you know, put yourselves in their shoes. Like, Titus, you're coming with me. Why? Because you're a Gentile. Okay, so we're going to Jerusalem? Yeah. You've got to prove something to these people. Because we're up here with all Gentiles, and you all have accepted Jesus. And the Spirit's been in your life. Read Acts. The, the manifested Spirit was working to prove God's there. And so he's taken Titus back down there to say, you're a Gentile and you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And I'm going to prove to the Gentile or to the Jewish believers down there that God is bigger than just the Israelites. And you haven't been keeping the law. And he says, oh, I haven't? Like, nope, you're not circumcised of all things. You're like, okay. Well, this, it got weird, right? So that's the story. He says, I went up by revelation. In other words, he didn't just decide to do this. The Holy Spirit impressed it upon him to go down. He communicated to them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles. And then I like this. Now, Paul went down and said, I've been preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. But he didn't go and address the whole church. He said privately to those who were of reputation. So he pulled the leadership of the church aside, the apostles that were down there, and said, here's the thing. I've been preaching this to the Gentiles, and it's working. And people are coming to the Lord. And he said that lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. In other words, just in case I'm not seeing this right, what I'm doing, I didn't want to say this in front of everybody. I wanted to talk privately with those that were in charge. This is Paul. That tells me something about us today. Can we see things wrong? Maybe need to talk one-on-one before we just blab it? Probably. It's a good idea. Um, Now, verse 3, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So they told him that. They said, look, this guy, he's not circumcised. I don't know how they checked that, but they said, here, this guy is, he's not circumcised, and he believes. That's the enigma of the day. And all the Jewish guys would be sitting there going, wow, I just I don't understand. Apparently, you can have Jesus and not keep the Old Testament law because, you see, they were just coming around to that. How much of the law do we have to keep as Christians? Acts chapter 15 records that story. Huge, huge church council over do we have to, as Christians, keep the Old Testament law? And it was a valid question for the Jews in the day. You know, they were a church that was brand new, on the backs of a religion that was thousands of years old. It's the only way people had known God, and there's a new thing. It's a good idea to search the scriptures, be Bereans, as the Bible says. That's what they were doing in their time. Same thing we should be doing today. Um, So uh, we come to verse 4. This occurred. So Paul, is he wrote the story, and then he says, why did I do all this? Well, it occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, 
that they might bring us into bondage. So he says, here's the deal. The reason I made the whole trip down here is because some people came in to the church up at Antioch and they started telling people uh, there's rules and there's laws that you need to be living by and you're breaking the rules. And so Paul got mad and he said, no, if I understand the gospel right, it's Jesus. It's not Jesus plus, it's just Jesus. It's the gospel. So I don't, we don't have to keep the rules. You see, Jesus, even he said when he was here, he didn't say, I've come to get rid of the law. He said, I've come to fulfill the law. Therefore, getting rid of it. You see, the old, if you study through like um, Leviticus, the sacrificial system that the Jews had, you find that every time they sinned, there was a sacrifice that was due at the altar. It was barbaric. The, uh, the uh, Kidron uh, Valley and the, the Kidron Brook that runs there around the Temple Mount to the side, Kidron means black, and it was named after black blood. When you kill that many animals at the temple, they had trenches and pipes that would run the blood down into the Kidron Valley, and they turned the creek black with all of the blood. Well, when you study through that, and then you go to Hebrews... And, and Paul's there saying, uh, guess what's better than that? Jesus. One sacrifice. He came. He was perfect. He died on the cross for our sins. And now we don't have to kill these animals anymore. It's better. That's what Paul kept saying. It's better. Jesus is better than all of that. Well, Paul's saying if he's better than, why do we need both? We don't need that and this. We just need Jesus. Good to study that because when you study that and, and see it, you realize the freedom we have. And that's, when I studied through Leviticus, I, I found, wow, thank you, Lord, that we don't have to do this. And see, what they are starting to say is like, okay, okay, okay. You don't have to keep all the law, just keep part of it. We have that today in the church. And that's a warning that I'd like to give you guys. Uh, when we went to uh, Israel, they actually prepared a Passover meal for us. And it was really cool. Because the Passover meal, in, in with Judaism, they've got every herb and everything there means something. And it's really pretty cool. But there's a warning. Uh, while that's cool, you do not, as a Christian, have to keep a Passover in order to get to heaven. It's not on us. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. So don't get sucked in. If you're sucked into one law, what does James tell us? You only have to break one rule. You know, it's like my kids growing up. They could keep 20 of my rules, break one of them, and I'm like, you're in trouble. They broke one rule. I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter if you kept everything else. You know, it's like if you go to the law and they say, you know, I've been a good person all my life. I just killed one person. That's it. Just one little person. And they were kind of mean anyway. You know, it doesn't matter. You can't justify that. You still broke the law. And see, that's what James would later write. He says, if you're trying to get to heaven on your works, keeping all these rules, you're not, our church would fit into the bathroom in there, okay? Because there, there wouldn't be anybody left. We're all staying. So uh, this, it's an important point for us to make. Now, he says these guys came up. They spied out that we're just being Christians. They spied out our liberty. Um, and they then sought to bring us into bondage because people that are legalistic, they're never happy being legalistic on their own unless you're miserable with them. So 
uh, verse 5, to whom we didn't yield submission even for an hour. That's his way of saying not a little bit, not even one little thing am I going to let these guys come in here and start telling uh, the church, the new believers up here, that you've got all these rules on your life from the Old Testament. Uh, You do not. That the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, now that's an interesting phrase. We run into those in the church today. Those who seem to be something, whatever they were. (laughs) Paul, he says it, and then he has this way, even in his writing, of just putting them down. Whatever they were. It makes no difference to me, he says. God shows personal favoritism to no man. So he says they weren't any better than the rest of them that were up there, though they acted like it. For those who seemed to be something, they added nothing to me. So all of those who seemed to be something, they didn't add to my walk with the Lord with all of their rules, regulations. Now, what were they after? They weren't after the heart of the law, because the heart of the law is still in play today. The Ten Commandments. I hope you live by the Ten Commandments, uh, the heart of it. But we're not into the letter, okay? It's like keep the Sabbath. Well, in your heart, I hope you do. I hope we do keep the Sabbath holy to the Lord. But like the story in Leviticus goes, there was one dude that went out there and was picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And they found him. And so they brought him in to Moses and said, well, what do we do with this guy? He's picking up sticks. He says, I have no idea. It's not written. Let's, let's ask the Lord. They asked the Lord and they says, well, kill him. Stoning. So he got stoned. Oh, wow, I'm glad. See, I'm glad the letter of the law isn't in play today. The heart of the law is. So, verse 7, on the contrary, when they, all these legalistic people that seem to be something, saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, in other words, he said, that's how he would say the uh, Gentiles, had been committed to me. As the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, so he's saying, in other words, Peter basically was, uh, his ministry was towards the Jewish people. For he, that's capital H, so that's talking about the Lord, who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised. So in other words, he was trying to get the circumcised, not to go into Judaism, but to come out of it and to accept Jesus also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. So that, his whole point of the trip down to Jerusalem was to say, guys, God's working in the Gentiles just as he's working in the Jews. He wants everybody now to accept Jesus and, and have a, uh, a way to heaven. Verse 9, James, Cephas, that's the name for Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, They perceived the grace that had been given to me. So they said, we see you, Paul. We see that this ministry is real and it's true. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So they said, go back, keep preaching to the Gentiles because they can actually accept Jesus. This thing is bigger. In other words, Christianity is not a sect of Judaism. It's an entirely new thing that God's doing. And we need Jesus to go to the world, to the world. Verse 10, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So he says, hey, this one thing when you go back, you know, the law says take care of the poor, which in 
the Jewish law, they had a lot of very pointed laws on taking care of their own. And he said, remember that, that's kind of how Christians are, you take care of your own. And so that's, you know, to, even to this day in a church, uh, we should strive to take care of our own. That's why I love in our church. You know, if somebody gets down, um, the, you know, there's, there's meals that show up at houses, there's help. And uh, the more that you integrate, you can be as much or as little a part of the church family as you want. That's what's cool. Um, and so, you know, I hope that all of you, even if you're newer here, you'll integrate, become friends with us because uh, we don't have programs here. We just have people. And uh, we love to help each other, and, and it should be like a family in those ways. So verse 11, now when Peter had come to Antioch. So new story. Paul has a successful trip down here. Now, this is kind of funny. This is where we'll be ending today, the last part of this chapter. But Peter decides, you know what, this is just pretty cool, what Paul's doing up there. I'm going to go up there to Antioch to these. You know, and he's a Jew. Peter's a Jew. So he keeps the law. He kept the law of his growing up. So he can't really leave it. And I understand these guys. I mean, imagine if we grow up in the church doing what we do, and all of a sudden Jesus came back and said, it's going to be totally different, no more church. We'd all just kind of go, what? What do you mean no more church? Some of you would be like, oh, thank goodness. But no, really, uh, most people are going to be you know, like, well, this is how we know God. And if he said no more praying, you don't need that anymore. That's, that's part of who I am. That's how I talk to God. So you're telling me to change all this? It would be tough. It would take time. Well, that's what they, I, I don't blame the Jews. They're having a tough time going from the law, the sacrifices and all of that. Can you imagine sinning for the first time in your life and saying, I'm not going to the temple to sacrifice, to cover my sin, but I am going to pray and ask Jesus to forgive me my sins. It have felt weird. And I don't blame these guys. So Peter, he's, he's curious. So he goes to Antioch. And then, uh-oh, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. That's in the Bible. Paul wrote it. So apparently Peter didn't do so good. Let's read, read what happened. Before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. So, you know, try to, try to put this in your, your head. Peter shows up. He's never had bacon before. So, you know, he goes to the table and he's like, what are, you, what are you Gentile Christians eating over here? And they're like, well, we're having some sausage. Like, well, that's cool. You know, bacon, that's, that's pretty nice. Butter, butter on biscuits, and then I get to eat eggs and, and, and ham oh, all together cool so he's over here you know doing all this all of a sudden some jewish christians come in the door they're from jerusalem hey peter what you doing uh nothing so you know he's doing the whole sweep it under the rug and uh he he's all of a sudden concerned because he doesn't look like he's keeping the law so what does he do it says in verse 12 he would eat with the gentiles would past tense but when they came, he withdrew. So not only did he sweep it under the rug, now he says, we're elite Christians. So all of us Jewish Christians are going to eat over here and be kosher while you miserable Gentiles are over here at this table. And Paul sees this and goes, uh-uh, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. You are not being a good example of the freedom and the grace of Jesus. You're saying legalism is going to 
sneak into this church and legalism is right and it's the way. Paul says, no, it's not. The rest of the Jews then, see, this is why you have to withstand the one because it's always contagious, bad behavior is. The rest of the Jews, they played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So Paul is very upset now because he sees these Jewish Christians that are putting kosher law at the dinner table with the Jews, causing a separation, looking down their noses at others. When I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Now, isn't that funny? They're eating and having issues with kosher law, and Paul ties it to the gospel. Why? Because law, according to the Jews, by the law and keeping the law, you were sanctified, you were, in other words, okayed to get into heaven. It's another gospel. He says, no, it is tied to the gospel. Down to, down to these kind of traits, it's tied to the gospel. I said to Peter, not privately. Notice when he went to Jerusalem, he, he went privately. That's because it was his own thing that he was trying to figure out what was, you know, if it was right or wrong. Well, now, because he knows it's wrong, he says, no, this is going to be public. Before them all, he says, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, then why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Another little drop here to catch. Now, he separated himself, but why did he do it? He didn't do it necessarily because this is how I feel, and, and it's my personal conviction. There was a, a view to... Uh, compel Gentiles. In other words, he did this to manipulate, Peter did. We're going to eat over here and act this way, and it's going to manipulate these Gentiles to start acting a different way. And Paul knows that's wrong. He says, uh, we, this is Paul speaking, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. He says, Peter, we know this. We're not justified by eating bacon or not eating bacon or not eating, uh, you know, eating kosher, no milk products with meat or all these various things. We, we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Now look, if you don't get anything else this morning, that phrase, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. That's a good one. Because even in the church today, we don't, we don't deal with Judaism today. I, I doubt any of you guys are sitting here really struggling with going back to your Jewish roots. We're in Texas, there's very few Jews that are uh, here in this area. If you are um, struggling with it, it's a good message for you. However, we struggle with different things in, in different centuries. Our struggle these days is vastly different. It is the religion that has been ingrained within the churches. Our churches are so old now that it's a good question to ask. You know, if you go into a church and they're doing something that, that looks kind of funky to you from wherever you're from, just ask the question to them or to yourself, why do we do this? Where in the Bible does it say to do this? And, and the answer, you know, in other words, you'll go to some churches and they say, well, 
you have to do communion this often. Where does it say that? Jesus said, as often as you do. Kind of leaves that open. Better that I stay open on this. Some people like to do it less, some a little more. Um, you know, people get ingrained on other things. I told you we'd end up, I'd, I'd end up making somebody mad, but uh, you get on this subject of legality, people will ask, you know, well, well, can Christians drink? Well, the Bible never says that they can't drink. I've seen some that couldn't, um, you know, but um, it does warn us against getting drunk. You know, it says, don't be, Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine. So there's, there's some handles there. The Old Testament's full of some pretty, nifty stories on why I would be watching it. Um, you know, Noah naked in his tent, Lot incest with his daughters after drinking. I mean, there's those stories. So I'd say bad things happen. But am I going to preach against alcohol? No. Peter, uh, Paul later said to Timothy, well, have a little wine for your stomach's sake. So, um, you know, he did say a little. He didn't say a lot. Um, he said a little. But so, you know, do we have freedom there? It's an area that we have freedom. Um, there was wine at the Last Supper. Jesus did drink the wine. And it was not non-alcoholic. They didn't have that back in those days. It was wine. So, in fact, the uh, Romans used to carry a real strong wine in a flask. And anywhere they went, they put a, a few drops of the wine in any of their drinking water because the stuff was so strong that it would kill the bugs in the water so they could drink it. Uh, if you're up in the mountains or whatnot, you just, you know... That clear mountain water, you know, it's full of bugs. Um, we, I have a story on that, but I'll leave it for a different day. Um, you know, it's, so it's nice to have something to kill the bugs in the water. But anyway, uh, you know, all these things, you know, p- people come up to me and say, well, what about dancing? Can Christians dance? You know, y'all all know my answer. I'll say, well, some can, some can't. Uh, I've seen some that just couldn't dance at all. Anyway, you know, um, the Bible doesn't actually say that. You know, can women wear red dresses? You know, y'all are all looking down. Oh, no. No, I've got red on. It, there's, no, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you can't. So why are we making rules? You see, all this stuff we can start getting so worked up about that we break fellowship with one another over the Christian rules, and I go back to the Bible and go, where is it? Where is it? And I want to live my life by the Word of God and, uh, and by the Bible. So... And just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's okay or not. Just because it is, you have to read it in context. You know, the Old Testament's full, full of uh, polygamy. Um, God, you know, you can say on the positive side, he never judged it. He talked to those people. He's never talked to me, walked with me. He did with those guys. And then he, he would talk to David about his sin, but he didn't say, hey, you, you know, you, you've got this and this and this wrong and all those wives. Never mentioned it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I have no idea, but I, I read between the lines and I look at the stories, and man, they had a lot of problems. And can you imagine? Anyway, I just I can't imagine. I mean, I wouldn't want that. Would you? Um, I'll put it this way, because you, know, you dig a hole here pretty fast. I'm just so in love with my one wife. I don't have heart for any others. There you go, so... I think you're a fool to want more. I mean, just read the story, though. Uh, like uh, uh, Jacob, you know, and he ends up with four, and they're all the, the jealousy and the rage. Well, there may not be a rule about it, but wisdom would tell me a peaceable home, you know, is, is, is worth having, peace and quiet. So that can be attained with one. But uh, anyway, moving along. 
See, like I told you, you, you get on these subjects, you dig a hole. But it's legalism. I mean, I'm telling you, everybody gets hung up on this stuff. We've got to come back to the Word. So Paul, he's, he's making a great point here. Now, he says in verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So he's saying, Peter, you're wanting me to say that I'm more saved because I don't eat the bacon. And that's just not true. You're not more saved by doing more right. Look, there's going to be a lot of bad people in heaven. A lot of bad people. And there's going to be a lot of good people they're in hell. It's not about whether you're good or whether you're bad. It's about whether you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. I personally know a bunch of people that were in prisons. They did a lot of bad things, but they gave their life to Jesus. And uh, I would rather be one of those. I would rather be the, the sinner nailed up on the cross besides Jesus than one of the soldiers that was obeying the law crucifying him. You see, there, there is such a thing as saying, all the sin of my past has propelled me to this place. All the mistakes of my past have propelled me and got me here to where I've accepted Jesus and his gospel because I finally realized I couldn't do it any other way. And I certainly couldn't be religious enough to get to heaven. So, Paul, this, it's a huge point because of his past he says, I was a bad guy. And Paul says, I now know Jesus Christ and I know him for, for what he truly is. Look, he's going to end this really great. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. So he says, I finally got real. And instead of being a Pharisee and saying, I'm doing this so great, he says, I finally let the law do what the law was supposed to do. Next chapter, he's going to say, the law is a schoolmaster. And he said, I finally let the law do what it was supposed to do. Judge me. See, when we read the Old Testament, it's not like, oh, I'm going to be this. It's like, no, I could never do this. You let it judge you, find you guilty. And the only way out of it is Jesus. That's why in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, it's all those Old Testament guys going, we lived by faith in what was coming, Jesus. Not by what we did. We had our faith in what was coming. By faith, we followed God. It, it, it says it in Psalms. David, this is the Old Testament. He said, um, I realize that sacrifice is not what you require, but a broken and a contrite heart. It's all about the heart. That's just the Old Testament, guys. Just looking forward to Jesus coming. How much more? We know more than, than they uh, in that regard. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, by the law, he was killed as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Guess what? The law has crucified you too. You wouldn't get to heaven if the Bible stopped before the gospel began. You, you would all be reading the Old Testament going, oh, it's, church would be gloomy, really gloomy, because I'd be preaching about keeping the law, keep the law, you've got to try to keep the law, guys, you see. 
He says, well, I was crucified with Christ. In other words, nope, the law killed me too. It's no longer I who live because the law says you're guilty. Remember what Romans says, all are guilty. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. What law? The Old Testament law. But it's now Christ, he says, who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in other words, my physical life, I live by faith in the Son of God, not by the works of the law, is what he's saying. Because he loved me and he gave himself for me. That's an amazing verse. It's amazing. That's why so many of us, when you finally get this, you're willing to put your life on hold, crucify it. You know, what was I before I was this? Uh, I was a rancher. I... Uh, uh, I did a little bit of welding. I did a little of this, a little of that. I was really, you know, when you grow up on a ranch, you turn into a jack of all trades. So that's what I was. Where was I headed? Nowhere in particular. Where am I headed now? Heaven. And, you know, once you realize where you're going, what, what you, what you want to do is you want to spread your arms and just take as many with you as you can, you know? And, and that's really, you, you gain direction in life when Jesus becomes real. If he's no longer just something that you think about at Christmas time only. You know, I love Christmas as far as the ability to tell the world about Jesus. But much past that, it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Um, you know, but it's their holiday. It's pagan. I mean, I, I know that. It's, a, it's their holiday. But it's a time when they say, uh, well, I'll accept you talking about Jesus. So tell them about Jesus because that's the only thing going to change this world. You know, right now in our nation, they're talking about all the stuff that we need to fix it. Nah, I don't know. Some of, them, some of them have better, more valid points than others, I guess. But I'll tell you one thing that'll fix it, Jesus. And Washington needs Jesus. Um, all, all of our states and our, our congressmen um, you know, and, and we, we look at right now the issues with the black versus the white. They all need Jesus. They all just need Jesus. Otherwise, hard times are going to come. They have in all the thousands of years of human history, and we're not above that. Just because this is 2020 and we think we're high tech, then evil just got high tech along with it. Trust me. Jesus, he's the answer. He's always been the answer. So I love verse 20. He says, verse 21, ending the chapter, I do not set aside the grace of God. Just because you accept the fact that there is the grace of God, but you haven't accepted the grace of God, is the difference between getting into heaven and not. The angels believe, the demons believe in Jesus, that he exists, that he is. And they tremble. You can believe in the grace of God. I believe in it. I believe it exists. It's over there, but I can't accept it. It's a free gift, and I've done too much. It doesn't matter. You see, you've got to forgive yourself on the basis of the grace of God. If you can't, you can't even forgive yourself. Think about it. The things that you and I have done in our lives, you can't adequately forgive yourself and move on in your life if you're not doing it with the grace of God. You have to have the grace of God every step of the way. 
And Paul says, look, coming from my sordid past, I wouldn't be able to preach the gospel and do this if I wasn't doing it on the basis of the grace of God. So the law is great. The law is perfect. It changes our soul, as it says in Psalms. Good to study it, to know the precepts of God and to know his heart, to know his mind and to keep the heart of the law. But you can only walk in this life on the grace of God. And Paul knew it. Hope you know it. Live it this week, the grace of God. It's a wonderful season to share that with those that you know in your life. And you know, if you want to understand the grace of God, give the grace of God. It does hearts a lot of good when you can say, I can't forgive you, but through the grace of God, I can also forgive you and we can set things right. And it starts a healing process. They'll say, God, in you. Thank you.